welcome to another episode of School of the Rock, a podcast about faith, culture, and evangelization. My name is Nick Sentovich, and I am joined, as always, by Father Bobby Blood. Father, how are you? What up? Great. That's another great day with the Lord. Amen. And it's uh, a pretty solid day because, again, season two, it's bigger, it's better, and we have guests. Who do we have with us today, Nick? We have the one and only Father Jack Reichardt. Father, welcome to School of the Rock. Thank you so much. I'm I'm honored to be here. We're honored to have you. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Father Jack Reichardt is a priest of the Diocese of Rockford, just ordained. Recently uh, minted. Yeah. Recently minted. Yeah, a couple he, months ago. I think you kind of still have the sheen, the new priest sheen. Yeah, it's, it's a glow. Is, yeah. is it a new car smell? Would we, would we call it? <laughs> yeah, certainly. It's a deep, rich uh, mahogany. <laughs> Yeah, smell. Wow, that's this is this is golden content. Uh, you know, you know how much I care about you guys. Tonight is SummerSlam, which is known as the biggest party of the summer. It's a big wrestling event I could be watching on my TV, but, but instead, not. I well, it is on, but I'm not listening. <laughs> uh, but speaking of the biggest party of the summer, when this drops tomorrow, Nick. It's your birthday, right, man? This is birthday vigil. This is birthday vigil. I am I'm mid birthday right now in terms of uh, in terms of excitement and joy. And on that note, and you're about to, you're about to be thirty, right? Birthday boy, oh. I brought the birthday boy a gift. Wow, which I did not see oh, coming. Someone else may have got him the same gift. Wow, <laughs> <laughs> Father Father Jack just got me a bottle of wine. Uh, it's nineteen crimes. It is the Snoop Dogg bottle of wine. That's right. Tribute oh to America, pop culture, to the D-O-double-G. Yeah, this is the type of faith, culture, and evangelization we're talking about. Nothing quite wow. says evangelization like Snoop Dogg, and I've been <laughs> saying it for a long time. Yeah. yeah, what he preaches is like the gospel in a lot of ways. Father Jack wrote me a beautiful card on a wide-ruled lined paper saying, <laughs> it's your birthday. I wrote, it, I wrote it with my left hand. I wanted to give myself a challenge. Turned out pretty well, if I do say so myself. You can tell he's still a, a new priest. He doesn't have any money to buy a real birthday yeah. card. <laughs> That's right. yeah. be that. Well, uh, what, could you loan me a fiver uh, later today? <laughs> yeah, as long as I can get an itemized receipt. <laughs> Good man. Well, it's uh, Father Jack. It's great to have you with us. A uh, little background, Father Jack, Nick, and I all went to high school together. Jack was a year behind us, but uh, we thought today might be an awesome day to kind of hear your story, where you came from, um, where you're at, uh, and just uh, maybe give the listeners a view into the way the Lord has been working in your life. So uh, maybe to get us go going, Father, if you would just share kind of your story, where you met the Lord, where you kind of fell in love with this life that you now call the priesthood. Yeah, well, it's, it's a great question. Um I think my own journey, it kind of amazes me how perhaps late the Lord called me. I mean, for some it's even later, but it was in college for the first time that I really felt the Lord's call powerfully, um, the call to be a priest, that is. Because I know you, Father Blood, you kind of felt that call when you were very young. Is that right? I did, yeah, yeah. Middle school, and then he consistently called when I didn't want to listen. So, yeah, I think the Lord knew that if he had called me then, I would have run away for sure and never turned around. And so he waited. He planted those seeds. I went to Holy Family growing up, actually, still a year behind the glorious Nick Senovich, right? Wow, Looking that's at right. This guy. Yeah. I remember when we were in eighth grade, Nick was a talent show, and you were doing impersonations back in eighth grade even. That's right. Yeah, I, I did President George Bush in eighth grade. <laughs> it was pretty great. Show. I remember it, fond memories. Uh, I went on to Boylan, like you said, with you guys, and then I went to school up in St. Paul, Minnesota, 
at this time, just kind of like got away from the faith, not because I didn't believe in anything, but it was quite literally just sheer laziness. Um, I didn't want to get up for mass. I didn't think it was worth my time, my precious time, but just, you know, didn't make as good as friends as I thought those first few months and just kind of got involved in this Catholic men's uh, fraternity, this group of friends on campus. And a few months into that, started going back to mass again, started making some good friends. And it was one Sunday, it was like the 9.30 a.m. mass on campus. I was daydreaming halfway through the homily. And then the other half of the homily, I was just like smacked in the face by God, just completely woken up and just hearing those words in my soul, I want you to be my priest. I didn't hear anything. I didn't see anything, but I just knew beyond any shred of a doubt that he wanted me to be his priest. So I found that actual priest. I was saying that mass afterwards and I asked him, Father, I think I'm called to be a priest. You know, what do I do? I, I hear there's a seminary here on campus. Oh, man, praise God. Like, that's so cool. How long have you been thinking about this? I mean, because how long do you guys normally, you know, think about? Uh, months, year. Months. See, it's the same with, you know, girls thinking about sisterhood. Uh, I was like, uh, 15, 20 minutes. I don't know, since your homily. <laughs> <laughs> and such a long homily it was. I had lots of time to think long. about it. It was. And uh, he gave me this, like, super weird look. I'm like, are you insane, kid? I'm like, really? <laughs> okay, so he started asking questions. All right, well, that's great. Praise the Lord for that moment. Do you pray? Like, uh, nah, I, I don't really pray. Oh, do you go to mass? I was like, yeah, actually, recently, yes, <laughs> I have been going to mass. One's last time. Today was, was a, today was a big day. Going to mass, getting called to the priesthood. When's the last time you went to confession? Yes. Then I'm like, oh, geez, a uh, couple of years, perhaps. Uh, do you, do you read? I'm like, oh no, Father. The closest thing I do to reading is the ticker on ESPN to see what the latest scores are. That's, that's what I read. <laughs> but so then he just like laid out this toolkit of our faith for me. Like, all right, I want you to go to daily mass, go to confession frequently, you know, start making good friends, get to know the saints, go to adoration and just sit in silence. And so I just did that for the next four or five months and just like fell in love with the Lord and his church. Uh, and just really walked so peacefully, uh, into the vocation of the priesthood, which he created me for, um, and within like six months, I was accepted to seminary. So wow, that was kind of a, a very quick journey for me. But the Lord had been planting seeds long before that, uh, just kind of growing up in Rockford and some great education that I had. Looking at that time where that priest kind of gave you that toolkit, what are some things you noticed that started to change in you? Like even before you joined the seminary, like taking that time for prayer and confession, what, what did that look like? What did that feel like for you? It felt so awkward. Just I, I could go vulnerable with, you know, good friends, but I had never really gone vulnerable, intimate uh, with the Lord before. And I remember the hardest thing for me to do that he challenged me wasn't actually confession or getting up to go to mass. That was just, you know, I had to make the time. It was staying still in adoration. I would go like once a week and the silence was just like overwhelming um, to the point where like I almost couldn't focus because the silence was so strong. So I remember just those first few months just giving over everything I had to the Lord, letting him work through me um, and realizing this is truly not about me. Um, this is what the Lord has created for me and he just wants to love me. Um, so to let him do that was, I think the biggest thing for me to kind of, in a funny way of saying it, let it go uh, and to let him in. It, it kind of makes sense in my mind, at least because you grew up Catholic. So, you know, you went to mass you know, you've been to confession before you went to Catholic school, but I think probably 
for a lot of us, at least my experience, we, because we don't value silence much in our culture at all, like the idea that you would just be kind of face to face with God, all of your fears, all of your joys oh my gosh, coming yeah. up in front of God, you know, at just at once. It kind of makes sense. I remember I was talking with you, Father Blood, a couple of days ago, and you gave an amazing little homily last weekend about silence to the people. And there's sometimes parts during the mass, especially during these COVID times, that there's maybe not as much music or singing, that there's just periods of natural silence in the mass. And people could get distracted, look around. It's kind of like an awkward tension until you get to the next thing. And what did you do? Like, didn't you challenge them or something to kind of enter into that? I did. Yeah, I told the um, choir director to just kind of cool it with the tunes for uh, the preparation of the gifts so we could take that moment for silence. And, um, you know, uh, my masses are quick. Um, We keep things moving. But I've been trying to add a little more silence, maybe a little more reverence. because I think that awkwardness that you talk about is so important. Um, even in my own life, having to slow down um, in life enough to encounter that awkwardness and silence um, so that the Lord has that time and space um, to be able to speak words of consolation, right? Because I think all of us, especially over the last you know six months of weirdness, are just kind of beaten down. You know, it's just every, everywhere you turn, there's just another thing to worry about. Um, but if we let the worries kind of just continue to speak in our brain, um, it gets in the way of the Lord being able to say, hey, hey, I'm the guy that calms the sea, right? This is my thing. Um, so I did. I, I kind of pointed out that I, I'm trying to be intentional as a father, as a priest, um, to provide those places for, for silence because I don't know if the world, the culture as we know it, uh, allows for it or at least it's hard to take. Yeah, well said. Father Jack, you know, so you did, you were at St. Thomas for several years in seminary and you finished out your time uh, at Mundelein in in Chicago. Mm -hmm. Um, What are some, what are some highlights, at least from your time in seminary in general, or, you know, do you have like one thing that you were surprised about in seminary, either like the process or what you learned or um, just something from your experience? That's a great question. I remember before I entered seminary, so when I was at University of St. Thomas, uh, I was just in you know a regular dorm building. I had a roommate, uh, but the seminary that our diocese sends to St. John Vianney is actually on the same campus. So when I entered seminary, I just literally switched dorm buildings, and so I kind of had like a very distant bird's eye view of what the seminary was at the time. I kind of knew some guys involved. You know, sometimes it'd be like a Friday night at like seven or eight p.m., and all of a sudden the sun's going down. I look out my window from the fourth floor. And I see these guys walking two by two in the funniest looking dress, holding candles. And in the front of everything, they're holding Jesus in the monstrance, one of the priests. And I'm like, what is going on? I'm getting ready to go out. And these guys are like chanting something I don't understand, different language. And uh, that's like their Friday night. I was just like so foreign to me. Uh, so when I was decided finally into seminary, I was still kind of a little apprehensive. I'm like, okay. Are we just going to be like singing Latin all day, like praying in silence? Like, what really is this? I think one of the greatest gifts that I learned was there's like a brotherhood, like in the priesthood and even in seminary. It's kind of like a foretaste of it. That though you may not be like, you know, best, best friends with another person and have everything in common, uh, you're rooted together uh, just in the love of Christ. Um, I think that's a beautiful thing. It was, it was one guy on a floor of a friend and I, he was in the military for a long time. His name is Joe Wright. He's now a happily married man. And he had seen everything. He was a medic. He was deployed a couple times. And so he came back. He's in his early 30s. He's living on this floor 
with a bunch of 18 year old boys fresh out of high school. And you could imagine this guy uh, having to go through that. But you could tell deep down, although you may have not experienced it externally, that he loved you, uh, that if you were in need, he would be there for you at the drop of a hat. I think that was always really something that spoke to me deeply. Yeah, there, there's you kind of see the reality that God is calling people from from every every swath of life. We, we had a, there was another guy at, at St. Thomas I know who 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 used to. He was in police academy, and he's worked at a casino and at a racetrack, oh and, uh, and that. And he's Name he's it. now a great priest. And we have, you know, there are guys that he, transferred. From okay, him. yeah, he he he's a great priest. But also, I remember I was in seminary with that guy for his, you know, the last few years before he got ordained. And I remember coming back one summer, and he'd be gone in the afternoon. Where'd he go? And I was like, I was like, Joe, where you at, man? He goes. Oh, I, uh, I'm making a few bucks down at the fair. He was like shoveling horse crap on the side, you know, in addition to going full time school. That guy was wild. Great priest, dedicated to the Lord. But Which man, guy, that guy was funny. You could take two in prayer, and you think like the the twelve the, the twelve apostles. They were not the brightest, you know, crayons in the box. You could say, you know, the head honcho, the guy Jesus chose, denied him. Yeah. <laughs> what are you doing, yeah. man? Which could really, you know, give you hope, but also humble you. Uh, that, like, you know, our gospel today that we had this Sunday, like, our church is founded upon a rock. Um, though we're human, though we're sinful and weak, Jesus is the one that's that's working through us. You know? Yeah, amen, amen. So, you know, you finish seminary, you're at the parish. What surprised you? You can give like a holy, pious, like priest answer, but then also like boots on the ground. What's What's been surprising? I'll give you the, the good priestly pious answer first. Get that one out of the way for you. Uh, yeah, spiritual yeah, right, warfare. Thanks. I knew spiritual warfare was going to be a thing. I didn't know how quickly and powerfully it would come. Of course, we have confessions every day at our church. So that's like a beautiful moment uh, to encounter a lot of those things there, a lot of wounds in people's hearts and to let Jesus can, kind of touch those and heal them. Uh, but kind of people just coming to me and they, they don't even realize it themselves with these things that they're just afflicted with. Um, and they don't, they don't even know that they're in the midst of kind of a dark night. And for, for me to have the tools for my education to recognize that and to cast that out just with the power of Christ and the power of the priesthood has been a, a really beautiful thing. Uh, so there's, there's that answer. The other answer that I'm surprised and I'm really enjoying so far is I'm a major planner. And oh man, the last seven years, I have been on the man's schedule the man, you know, they, they, I have to be there at this time. Okay. I have to wear a suit. Oh, geez. Okay. Just trying now, to keep you down. But now I'm a priest. I set my own schedule. I could take a nap whenever I want for as long as I want. So long as I say the sacraments, right. And I get my work done and I'm always there for the people, but that's been a huge grace is kind of, you know, taking life at, at my own pace right now, which is also could be a good checkup too, to make sure, you know, I'm doing everything I, I ought to be doing. You get to watch The Office on your lunch break. Yeah, it occasionally happens. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. That's now, one, of our pre- one of our priest buddies always says, a good priest wakes up at 5 o'clock twice a day. And I think <laughs> that's a rule to live by. Is that true, Father Blood? Yeah. Uh, I usually take my nap closer to like, uh, you know, I get up at like 2.30. But, you know, <laughs> to each their own. You, you know, we're priests. We, we, as Jack sa- Father Jack says, we're, we're flexible. Right. Uh, you could, yeah, you nap from whatever one to two thirty, or I don't know your schedule. But then you're yeah, on I don't want to say that. 10 p.m. You know, you're on in the evening, 
So right. yeah, you're, you know, because finance council doesn't meet from, from one to, <laughs> from one to three thirty. So that's been a good lesson for me to learn too. Is that you know personal health is everything. With you know, there's been a shortage of priests for as long as the church has existed. That's nothing new. Um, and so I think it's really important. The work is always going to be there to get done what you need to get done and serve the people, but also to make sure you're taking care of yourself. I think that's been a, a good challenge for me these first couple months. Yeah. In the evening, make yourself a nice salmon with asparagus, so with some lemon on top. Like some chamomile with some local sourced honey. Locally sourced so, you, you just did that. Yeah. You told me a story. You just got some locally sourced honey. I'm huge on the local honey. I've actually been trying to get Father Blood to get some. Did you end up getting any? Yeah, so one day I get up, uh, I'm meeting with the old pastor, and he goes, hey, some guy just dropped off a bunch of honey. It's like local honey. I hear it helps allergies. Do you want some? I was like, I literally was just asking the Lord to, to direct me to a honey guy. Boom, honey's in the office. The Lord works in mysterious ways. Dude, he's pro-honey. I, I got allergies, and I've heard over and over again, I don't know if it's scientifically proven, that if you have a teaspoon of this stuff a day, because the bees are local, that you're kind of immune to a lot of the local allergens. So I'll let you know how it's going in maybe like a month. So does that mean the, the bear that I squeeze from, from Meyer is not going to cure my allergies? No, that means you're immune to wherever that bear is from, that, uh, that honey. So you're probably immune from some, some China in Southern California. <laughs> right. So if you ever vacation in San Diego, you're good. I'd be like, wow, <laughs> I can breathe so easily. It's like, Nick, it's actually because you've been, using, you've been using, using that honey. Using that bear honey. In your English breakfast tea. <laughs> To, uh, to, to get back to your original uh, pious point, though, oh, sure. I, you know, I've been a priest for a, a year now, so I've got a little, a few months on you. But I think one thing that was surprising to me was um, all the people see is priest, right? They don't see the fact that your father, Jack, who's been a priest for, you know, two months, they just know that they can come to you with whatever their issue is. And I think that's something beautiful just to, to put into perspective that, um, we're doing the Lord's work and it's not ours. And I think that just takes a lot of the pressure off because the first few times, like the first few meetings or first few confessions, there's so much anxiety, but then you quickly realize like, Oh, I'm priest. I'm in the person of Christ, the head, and he's going to pick up the slack. Have, have you found that to be the case? That's you're nailing it on the head. I try to remind myself at least once a day uh, that I'm not Jesus Christ. And that it's a sigh of relief when that happens. <laughs> like, yes, I get to stand in the person of Christ in mass and confession. And it's so powerful and it's, it's real. Uh, but at the end of the day that I'm not a personal savior for anyone, I'm literally not to be overly utilitarian, but like I'm a tool of Christ. He has chosen me a humble instrument uh, to be a vessel of his mercy and a, a broken vessel at that. But Maybe I think broken vessels could give more mercy sometimes on accident because they're just broken and they just let more through, you know. And I think a lot of times too, um, when when the Lord's mercy is coming from a broken vessel, the other people are like, you know, like me. The people in the pews can be like, I, I can understand where that priest is coming from because he's been broken as well because he yeah. also has struggles and, and trials and he's not. There's not a cookie cutter that he's you know, molded from a really good priest mentor of mine, his, his go-to line. I think, you know, him as well, Nick, uh, conform to Christ crucified. That's what he says over and over. That should be the prayer of the priest, uh, is to be crucified with Jesus on the cross. Yeah. I was just going to say, but if either of you need me to call you up and tell you that you're not Jesus, I can always do that. Yeah, send me oh, a voice yeah. memo, would you? <laughs> yeah. You can send it to my spam folder. Uh, 
But as we say, another image similar to that that I, I have kind of um, helped me in my own ministry is like um, uh, the institution narrative, right? So uh, he took the bread, he blessed it, he broke it, and he gave it, right? Realizing that the same is true for us, right? The Lord takes us. There's something um, about like the divine lover who, who when he calls us, he takes us. Um, and he blesses us, right? He offers us to the Father. Um, but just like Christ, we have to be broken in order that we might be shared. And I think that's um, one of those images that is not maybe the most consoling at certain points, right? The, the fact that the Lord takes us is consoling, but the fact that he's calling us to be broken like he was um, could be daunting, um, but always in the context of the fact that the people of God can be fed through our sacrifice. And not to say that our lives are, you know, super difficult by any means. They're, they're blessed, enchanted lives. But there are moments of real sacrifice where we can say, you know, this is for the souls that I serve. Um, it's, it's a good and an exciting life. And, and I'm pretty excited that you're a part of it, Father. We've, we've been on this journey for a long time. And, and I've just yeah. been so grateful the last few months to, to see you um, – really fill in this role of father. Thank you, brother. Yeah, it's been a, a trip. I can't believe it's been only like two or three months. It feels like a few <laughs> years already. <laughs> Just uh, I can't wait to see what the Lord has in store for me. Yeah, for us. Yeah. And and looking at kind of your life now, um, is there some advice or some something that you'd want to share with the lay faithful with these new eyes you've been given through ordination? Um, that might kind of um, inspire or instill something new in them? Yeah, it's a great question. I think in my own prayer life, uh, the concept of silence has been coming up over and over again. And so it's so important to, to pray every day, you know, whether you're a priest, a nun, just a lay person. Um, but to give the Lord a time to speak, I think is the most important. To say what you need to say, intentions, you know, thanksgiving. But then just to be silent and just to to dwell in his gaze uh, and his presence and let, let that pierce your heart. That's beautiful. And I know, I know too, father, the mass is a big part of your, uh, I, th- I don't know if you want to say spirituality, but that, mm. that really forms a lot of you. What, what, what has sort of drawn you to mass? Obviously there's the Eucharist and that's, that's the source and summit of all of our faiths. But I think especially for you, the mass is something that really speaks to you. Yeah. Liturgy is always, I think spoken to my heart. I don't know what that's maybe I like organization and the mass is so there's if it's done beautifully if it's done right there's such a, a flow to it um, it's just a prayer when when heaven meets earth in that exact moment um, one of my favorite moments is when the priest holds up the body and blood of Christ and says behold the Lamb of God behold him who takes away the sins of the world you know and he just goes on and on and just that's the Lamb right there that that is Jesus um, truly present yeah and it's kind of tough right now because a lot of a lot of people aren't, I think some people aren't able to go to mass. You know, there's, there's, you know, there's restrictions on how many people can actually sit in a, a different pew or, or yeah. things like that. So I think a lot of people have been, have been struggling with the fact that they've, they've been missing that, that experience of meeting the Lord. And and, and I've praying. seen, although that's tough, I've seen the Lord, the Lord can bring good from anything. He brought good from Jesus being himself being crucified um, and die. He rose uh, so to believe that, to let that yearning, that deep desire in your heart to grow uh, and to let it become something that draws you even further closer to the heart of Jesus, I think is, is something the Lord perhaps is inviting all of us into right now, a, a kind of great renewal or, or great pruning, if you will. 
And I think one thing I've noticed at my parish anyway is each week there's some homecomings. Like there are, you know, a family or a, or a, a um, parishioner who has been gone and it's their first mass back in however many months. And so you get to see that fullness of heart to return to the table of the Lord after a while. Uh, and so it's it's, it's kind of cool in some ways that like everybody didn't flow back right at once. It wasn't like a flip of a switch. Okay, obligations back on, everybody's back in one one swoop. But instead, we have this reminder by, by these zealous, like lay faithful to say like, this is where I want to be. I'm choosing to be here, um, following all the protocol, trying to be as patient as possible, but realizing like, even after months, um, the liturgy, whether they can verbalize that you know succinctly or not, has become their home in a place where they can uh, find rest. Mm. I love that. Just you know, I think Catholics can be criticized unfairly sometimes. Like, oh, you guys say the same prayers every week, but when you enter into that, that is such a place of protection. It's like home. It's familiar. It's like when you're away at college for four years, and then you come home, and your room's exactly the way you left it, and you could just dwell there uh, in peace. I think it's, it's really what the mass is. Which is why I hate announcements at the end, because it disrupts the flow. <laughs> oh, you're really you're preaching to the choir. <laughs> this weekend, we didn't have any announcement. I was pretty jazzed about it. That's exciting. Yeah. But yeah. To, go, to go with your point, Father Jack, it is true. There is something um, beautiful and familiar and almost freeing about the fact that you know what's going to happen. and You can kind of enter into it. There's a different kind of sense that you're attuned to, right? If something's new... That can be beautiful, but it can also be, you know, disorienting and you can't, it, I think it's harder to maintain your peace, but because you know what's going to happen each and every week, you can enter into it. Yeah. I would say, unfortunately, a lot of us fall into the other category of, of either forgetting how beautiful the mass is or just letting ourselves tune out because we know it, right? Let's, yeah. To also realize that as much as it is for us and we receive from it, it's worship. It's, it's for God. It's, it's to adore him. So, yeah, I agree. That's a heavy hitter line right there. I think that's that's one thing that each and every one of us could have the reminder of every day, every week. Like this is about the worship of God, right? What what's the 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 supreme law of the church is the salvation of souls and the glory of God, right? And I think that's uh, a beautiful thing for even the the folks in the pew, but but especially us to remember. We're here to worship God, to, to be able to kind of dwell in his generosity. I, I, lately, especially on the Feast of the Assumption, I teared up a little bit during we were praying the creed. Uh, just to realize, like, so the creed, I've said how many times? Well, the new one since, you know, whatever year. 2011. 2011, great year. Uh, but just like realizing uh, the truth of that, um, of, of that God really is. And that seems overly simple but the fact is like he is he became man he died there's that familiarity that's just so moving to be able to say that in this mass just like we've been saying i can rest my head here you know that's just cool we love the mass we love the mass. big fan yeah big fan make sure you tell everybody <laughs> um yeah uh, father jack we'd be remiss not to ask you uh, give us a little. I know you love Saint Faustina. Could you give us a little teaching on Saint Faustina before we go? 
Oh man, do you have ten minutes of stand up on Saint Faustina? <laughs> I do. I'm just saying every time every time I talk to this guy, he's like, I gave this awesome homily. Tells me all about it. Oh, oh, and at the end, I add a little bit about Faustina. So <laughs> we got you got to squeeze the grace till it's dry, man. Everyone needs a little mysticism in their life. So I say over and over again. So yeah, Faustina, if you don't know her, she was a great saint, uh, a saint of, of divine mercy. Her kind of a uh, forerunner is, I would say, is Margaret Mary. Kind of really got the ball rolling on uh, the heart of Christ and just the mercy that's pouring forth. And all we need to do is trust. That's all he's asking. Just trust in his heart. Um, and so she, I think we're talking about the mass a lot today. She loved the mass. She would go often go. And when she was there, she would see the child Jesus appear on the altar during the consecration. So whenever I'm teaching, you know, kindergarten, first grade classes, I'm like, okay, guys, when you hear the bells ring at mass, if there's bells, I want you to imagine, you guys got great imaginations. I want you to picture the baby Jesus on the altar. They all shake their heads up and down. They're going to do it. Uh, and so I, it's a good exercise for, for kids. It's a good exercise for us to, to use our imaginations, everything the Lord's given us for prayer um, to help us receive and, and to realize what we're doing. That's I like beautiful. That. Amen. Well, it's been a joy, Father, to get a a vision into uh, your call and your love of the Mass and your love of the priesthood. Um, Just really edifying. And I think if there's one thing we could ask the people of God, please pray for us um, and know of our prayers for you. But it wouldn't be School of the Rock without a little recommendation. So could you send us out with a a recommendation of something totally different, Father? Absolutely. I came prepared. 6, 11 a.m. That's when the sun rises in St. Charles. All you viewers out there, look up when your sun rises. Just watch the sunrise. Get your favorite cup of joe. Get get a morning tea. I don't know. Uh, a fig newton. Whatever you eat for breakfast. And just sit in silence. Pray with the Lord and watch A fig the newton? Really? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, all, I'm all in on the sunrise, but the fig newton. Who is this guy? Uh, they're not sponsoring this video? We found our last guest uh, there, Nick. I think uh, that's... Uh, it's fig Newton. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, let's check out the sunrise tomorrow, right? Sunrise. Put a little of that locally sourced honey in your tea, oh, too. Yeah, you know I will. Oh, yeah. my gosh. Good. Well, it's been a joy. It's been a, a great time, fellas. I hope you have a blessed week, and I'm sure we'll talk soon. Thanks, Padre. Peace. Deuces. Deuces.